Hello there, everybody. Welcome to the New York 20. I'm Tom. And I'm John. We are back again, and that kind of is the theme that we're going to lead into, because inexplicably, Jason Kidd is back again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 20 minutes ago, he retired, and uh, 17 minutes ago, he accepted the head coaching job for the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Introduced today, press conference, the whole deal. It happened. It's yeah. kind of shocking. A lot has happened since the last time we spoke to you guys, but we are going to start right there because it's kind of the biggest news going on. Yeah. Uh, very current. So Jason Kidd, new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, no head coaching experience at all. Obviously, because he was yep. playing like two weeks ago. So, yeah. uh, what do you think about the hiring, Tom? You know, it's an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting move for the Nets. I see it as largely a Prokhorov move. You know, looking for that big headline thing to get some fans, uh, you know, interested and all that. You wonder what he can do as a coach. You know, yeah. he's been a point guard for the last 18 years. Well, he but... was basically a coach on the court, I mean, the yeah. whole time. That's the one thing you have to lean on. And you look at a lot of the uh, players that become coaches, typically, you know, in baseball, it's the catcher. You know, because they see the whole game and they work with pitchers. Right. Point guard in basketball is sort of that. You know, you right. had Avery Johnson just, you know, coaching the Nets. He was a point guard. So, you know, there definitely is a relationship there. But it is an interesting thing to see so quickly that turnaround happen. I think Kidd can do it. I think another big part is Lawrence Frank being involved. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a very, very good coach, and the fact that he's going to be on the staff is going to be, I think, a big help for them. Is that confirmed? Now, I know they were kicking it around. At least the last I heard. Honestly, I don't even, yeah. I don't even know for sure. But, yeah, I, I, um, I wasn't sure either. I know that that's been, uh, I, I would say, more so than speculation. Yeah. I mean, he has a great relationship with Kidd, obviously. Yeah. I think one of the things that I heard was that he just came off, uh, Frank, that is, came off a, a long tenure with uh, the Pistons Yeah, as kind of an assistant, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, maybe if he wants to to kind of step away for yeah. a bit. But you know what? If his relationship with Kidd is that good, I mean, he needs a guy like Frank who's been there, done that he does. on the staff. And I, I think if their relationship is that good, that he'll probably yeah. jump on board. Whatever it is, yeah. He, he's going to need a veteran guy like that on the staff, and I think that would be that would be huge. But Kidd's a smart player. You know, Kidd's always been a smart player, so I think that would translate well. I think he's always been... Not necessarily a smart person with the whole DUI yeah, thing yeah. and stuff like a that. Good, but... A good basketball mind, I think, is the way that they would put it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think he'll be in a good good position to be successful. The team still certainly has talent. And in basketball, I think more than any other sport, the talent is what's most important. And you figure out ways yeah. to get the most out of it. But, you know, the guy who's coaching LeBron James, it could be the two of us. And we're going to figure <laughs> out how to win 65 games with LeBron James on it's our team. It's true. I, I, you know, I mean, not to be negative about it, but in basketball more so than any other sport, like you just said, the inmates can kind of run the asylum. Yeah. You know, you see a lot of guys and not even – in a lot of cases, high the highest profile guys, you know, get their coaches fired because yeah. they just outright quit on them. Yep. So you know, you you do have that. Uh, obviously, Jason Kidd is no stranger to that. He's had a few yep. guys fired, and uh, so is Deron Williams, yeah. who he'll now be coaching. But they have a great relationship, also. That's that's Kidd I think a very interesting Williams. part so, of it. Yeah. You know, I think that's that's something that it's not just this trendy flash in the pan, let's make a big splash move. I mean, you know, there's a good relationship between player and coach. Um, I think that's going to go a long way. And Kidd very clearly wanted the job because yeah. he did not waste any time. He retired and then threw his hat in the ring like, hey, guys, I want this. It's yeah. not like they had to just throw a bunch of money at him and go crawl into him like, hey, could you please coach the team? You're a name. Like, and I think before he retired, I think maybe there were some back channels open on that. Because I don't think he would have given up the $15 million he had coming to him if he knew 
if he didn't know that this was an option to, available to him right away. Right. Um, so I think there may have been a little bit of conversation in the background there. And, you know, good for Kidd. I, you know, I, I think he can certainly be successful. Um, you know, I, I know what I, I had said about coaches in the NBA versus other sports, but there is certainly something to be said for coaches. You look at Mike Woodson versus Mike D'Antoni versus Phil Jackson versus, you know, Mike Brown or Vinny Del Negro. There are guys who are not good at it and there are guys who are good at right. it. Uh, but if you're Popovich, yeah, yeah. if you're competent, if you're just average and you have some talent, you can go a long way. If you're terrible, like somebody like Vinny Del Negro, you're going to go and make <laughs> your team worse. Or D'Antoni, who, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I still don't know how he got that Laker job. I don't know. Another conversation for another day. Oh, uh, the poor Lakers. Yeah, they only have 37 championships. So. Uh, so we'll see what happens. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens to the Nets. Uh, you know, as we're recording, we're actually, we've got the, uh, the Heat-Spurs game on right now. It's game four. Uh, the Heat are currently leading this game 47-38 uh, with three minutes left in the second quarter. The Spurs lead the series 2-1. to one, And uh, last game was a huge, huge blowout in favor of the Spurs. I, oh I, I loved watching it. It's great. They answered back with just a fury. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously game one went to the Spurs and it was a good game. Mm-hmm. And then everybody was like, well, the Heat really need to come out and make a statement in game two if they want to make a did. series of it. And yeah. they did. But then the remarkable thing is that the Spurs turned around and came back with a bigger statement. They won by 35-plus. Yeah, it was the worst uh, playoff loss in Miami history. Oh, my God. The Spurs knocked the down. The city of Miami? Yeah, <laughs> just the everything, franchise. including the Dolphins, which is impressive because <laughs> football points come with a boatload. You, yeah. you get blowouts all the time. Miami Vice, yeah. all the whole thing, right? Yeah. Like nobody has ever lost. <laughs> yeah, Miami Vice got beaten out in the ratings. It wasn't even that bad. Yeah. That's Which you're talking TNT. in the millions. Yeah. Of- <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's it was a statement. But, again, anytime I see a team knock down 16 three-pointers and it's a record, you worry about the sustainability of that model. Now, they were open shots, and San Antonio is a good team, but I think Miami quit a little bit. You almost you know, had the Freudian down. slip there. You almost dropped the San Antonio home. San Antonio quit? Yeah, I wonder what that's... <laughs> not going there. We're not talking Jets today, just to keep ourselves positive. Um what is that? No? Some D. Uh, the Spurs make a little bit of a run here. They got down big. They're they're making a run back now, and uh, they maybe can get within possession pretty soon here. Uh, but overall, big three. There you go. Yeah, not bad. Listen, sometimes we got to look in live and just kind of talk yeah. about it, let you know what's going on, Listen, even though you're probably watching it too. Yeah, or you've watched it and it's been over for six hours at least. True, but, by the time you're hearing this. Uh, getting close and i think san antonio's definitely got the horses to stick in this and this this game is going to decide you know we'll probably be wrapped up before this game is over but i think who wins this might win the series realistically i yeah. think this game yeah. might decide the whole series well especially if if san antonio wins it yeah. i mean I, I think that this is a pivotal game for them because then at this point you got one more game in san antonio tomorrow yeah. that or uh, in two days the whatever game, yeah. um that, you know that they can basically win or lose obviously if they win they win the whole thing yeah. if they lose it it's like okay you know we still got a big lead in the, in the series it's still pretty commanding the remarkable thing for me is that they put up all those points yesterday and one move. going away yeah that was fantastic wow. Uh, but they won going away um, in the last game mm-hmm. without having their big three do anything. That's true. Yeah, I think Duncan had That's like point. seven yeah. points or 12 points, yeah. and Parker had seven. It was just a, a complete, just not what you would expect. If you if you were going to sit here and tell me, okay, you know, here's, here's how game three is going to play out. Um, you know, uh, Parker's going to score seven, yeah. and uh, Duncan's going to score 12, and Ginobili's going to score eight. 
And I'm you guys like, are going to okay. win by nearly 40. <laughs> I, I would say you're crazy. There's right. no way you could take that to the bank. But that's what happened. But, yeah, I, I would have to agree with you, uh, not to get too much into it because it's it's still going on. Uh, the, the Spurs are, are really getting the game closer now as we get uh, near halftime. But, um, yeah, I think tomorrow's a pivotal game. Uh, I keep saying tomorrow. Yeah, the game next five. game is going to be a pivotal game. Um but we'll see what happens here. I mean, the Heat need this one yes. desperately. I think if Miami is able to pull this game off, and uh, I think Parker just hit a shot to get back within two, uh, Miami can go and get this back to 2-2. That means San Antonio has to win a game in Miami. Right. And that, that swings the home court advantage back your way, and it gives you a, a, a breath in this series. But to expect to win three straight against the Spurs might be a tall order if you don't win tonight. Exactly. Exactly. So, so we'll, we'll we'll see what it is, and it really has come down to a, a matter of coaching. And and um, I heard today somebody mentioned. I'm not going to take credit for it. It's a great point um, that Popovich kind of employed the same thing as the Spurs just tied, tied the up game. the game with 12 seconds and a half. Yeah. Oh my god. That's a big run. That is a huge run. They were down like 10. Yeah. When we started talking about it, um, but somebody brought up a good point that Popovich is kind of employing the same strategy that he did. Uh, when the Spurs beat uh, LeBron last time. Obviously, he yeah. was in Cleveland, didn't have the supporting cast, but right. they tried to keep him from driving to the basket. They mm-hmm. were like, let's make LeBron beat us with jump shots. Yeah. And his shooting has been poor, and his cast has been even worse. That's been the, so whenever yeah. he kicks the ball out to somebody else, which he's great at doing, <clears throat> they haven't made the shots. And if he pulls up and tries to take it himself, he hasn't made the shot. Now, I don't know if it's sustainable against this Miami team, yeah. but it worked in that game, and they're keeping this game damn close. So yeah. let's see where they go from there. And the supporting cast has been more like a Cleveland supporting cast than the you know yeah. the big three, the you know the not one, not two, not three, you know yeah. LeBron James team. Well, that that's the big part of the problem, you know. His, his his the help hasn't been there, and LeBron's great at driving. His shooting has certainly improved his whole career. Uh, but I think he has to take charge more. I think he has to try to get you know just be more like Mello, yeah. which is funny because I always tell Mello <laughs> to be more like LeBron. But well, he hasn't had a LeBron game yeah. yet, and obviously this game's not over. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't had a LeBron game where he goes off and drops you know thirty eight points and has a you know, ton yeah. of assists. And, yeah, you know he's been fifteen okay. assists and eleven boards. It's yeah, yeah. It is not nearly been that and let i mean let's be honest like chris bosh is basically a twinkie he is yeah he is soft in the middle like yeah. through and through and uh <laughs> you know and and wade is i know he's hurt but he has not been the player yeah. that he he's was. been a shell he's yeah. been a shell of himself and you know that that's probably the biggest thing in this whole series if you have a dynamic dwayne wade it's a different series so absolutely as we go into the half um i guess there was a timeout here or a foul we got a foul there with three seconds left so so this is this is pretty much wrapped up. I mean, you know, this last three seconds right might take another fifteen minutes. It's basketball, so you know, we'll see. <laughs> so what we're happens. gonna move on because we can't keep talking about uh, it. So something else that took a really long time, just like the last two minutes in an NBA game, is uh, <laughs> the postseason. I think that got waved off. So yeah, just to go back, uh, somebody tried to do a, a vicious dunk right at the buzzer there. And I think it was Chris Bosh because he's an idiot and uh, held onto the ball too long, and the buzzer went off, and the shot didn't count. If he did a layup, the ball would have gone in. The, sh- the shot would have counted, but he wanted to go and look real cool dunking it. Let's see. Uh, ball's in his hands. Red light's oh, on. That man, is not, not a even dunk. Close. That's a horrible, close. horrible play. Um, that's a layup if it's two points, if you let it go, and he wanted to look cool. And sorry, Chris Bosh, you <laughs> you're not LeBron James. I'm telling you what, for Chris Bosh, if you're, if you're going to be a jelly donut, you got to be smart, too. Oh, I mean, man. you can't. You, you can't make a boneheaded play. LeBron looks disgusting <laughs> yeah. right now. He's, he's not happy. But <laughs> oh my his scoreline, 7 for 11 from the field, 15 points, 4 boards, 3 assists. 
it's not bad. You know, no. he's getting his numbers. He's not shooting poorly from the field, but I think he has to take over more. He's only on pace for 30. He's a guy who can be on pace for 50. Where's that? Where's right. that from LeBron? And that's, especially that's what if we Bosch want. is going to do that. Yeah. Well, we don't want that, yeah. but that's well, what yeah. people but want. But as, as, as fans, yeah. as basketball Absolutely. fans, that's what you'd want to see. Absolutely. So you alluded to something that, that also took yeah, forever. forever, which is one of my favorite things. Honestly, probably my favorite thing in sports is overtime playoff hockey. Uh, and last night we had a triple overtime game between the Blackhawks and Bruins. Uh, Bruins had a 3-1 lead in the third period, gave up two goals. Johnny O'Dewey was huge for the Blackhawks scoring a goal, uh, and it went to overtime. The Bruins are no strangers to giving up leads, by the way, as we found out. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they've done it. Uh, unfortunately, not enough in the conference semifinals to the Rangers. But uh, nevertheless, they had a lead. They blew it. And uh, Blackhawks came back and eventually won. And these are two very, very well-matched teams. I think it's yep. going to be a great series. Blackhawks won and kind of kept home ice, which I think you're worried about going into game one uh, as the favorite, as the team coming in with uh, with the home ice and the best record in hockey. And uh, I think it's going to be a really good series. The talent is there on both sides. The Bruins really dominated a large part of that game, especially the first half yeah. of that game. Uh, the same kind of forecheck they were showing in the Eastern Conference. You know, they, they destroyed the Penguins that whole series. And, you know, it'll be tough. I think the Blackhawks stealing one game, maybe not playing at their best, is a really good way to start the series for them. And, you know, we'll see what they can do. But uh, the thing that struck me, and this is coming from a Ranger fan's perspective, watching the Bruins power play, really <laughs> watching either power play in general, is just terrible. Bruins had a five-on-three for a minute 17. And we've talked. You know, I know you're fresh into hockey. Yeah, we've five talked on extensively, three, though. Five-on-three five on three, is a yeah. really huge advantage. And the Blackhawks are a team with a better power play than the Rangers, at least not dead last, which is where the Rangers were. Minute 17, five-on-three, down by a goal. They didn't get a shot off. Oh. Zero shots on goal. They stood around and passed the puck and didn't do anything. It's incredible. How that's, does that happen? That's remarkable. I mean, you would think that all you're going to do is just shoot. Yeah, constantly. I, I, again, as a, as a newbie to hockey, I, I, and we talked about this at length, we don't have to go back into it with yeah. you guys, but just shoot. I mean, just be aggressive. You have more people. It's yeah. the name of the game. Just, you know, rush the quarterback, so yeah. to speak. Send the house. So you're going to score. My thought is potentially no team is good on the power play ever. And the right. only ones that are good are the ones that I don't watch. I think I'm the problem. <laughs> Any team I watch, they just have a terrible power play. Because the Rangers always have a good penalty kills. So they don't give up a lot of power play goals. And they never score any. So maybe power play goals aren't as big a thing in hockey as, as I imagine. <laughs> and the statistics are just lying to me. Or maybe you have to stop watching hockey altogether. Yeah. No, that's not going to happen. Well, all right. No, well, sorry. We'll, we'll see. We'll see as we get into next hockey season, see how it unfolds. <laughs> One thing that could get me to stop watching hockey is maybe the Rangers hiring Mark Messier as their coach, which is still a possibility. Uh, so we'll shift gears a little bit on that. Yeah. The Rangers are in their head coaching thing, and we don't know yet. So it's too early to pass judgment. But it is possible that the Rangers will hire a rookie head coach in their must-win season. Yeah. And I love Messier. He's, he's done a million things for the Rangers franchise that in my lifetime and you know my grandparents' lifetime never happened. Win a Stanley Cup. That's great. That doesn't mean you can step in and be a coach day one. You don't get a legacy you know, clause in your contract that lets you just walk in and do it. That's a fair point. You know what? We touched on this a little bit last week, and, you know, I guess it kind of ties into the Jason Kidd thing a bit. Yeah. You know, first-time head coach, and we talked last week about how difficult it is for a first-time head coach to pick up and do it in New York. Yep. And I stand by that. Everything that we said at the Open about Kidd and the potential for success, uh, you, you know, notwithstanding. Yeah. Because there are was, there was some things there, uh, you know, just the position he played and the team that he's stepping into that is talented, but they're not picked by anybody to go all the way next year. Yeah. You know, not at all. And, and I think with, with Messier, you, you do have that issue where it's like, okay, this is the window. 
Yep. I mean, a lot of people thought the Rangers could win a cup this season. Yep. And it didn't happen. And, you know, going into next year, you're going to have a lot of questions with, you know, Lundqvist, the free agency looming. If they extend them, that remains to be seen, you know, before he ever hits free agency, which I think is a must-do. Absolutely. But, you know, you're putting a lot of pressure on a guy like Messier to step in, never done it before, at all. I know he coached, like, a couple international yeah, yeah. tournaments that's, or whatever. That's but that's not coaching in New York, and that's not coaching in New York in this spotlight with a team that not only is expected to win, but really has to win. Otherwise, they're going to tear that thing apart. Yeah. And as important as it is to have a, a Mike Woodson versus a Mike D'Antoni in basketball, um, or a Phil Jackson over a Mike D'Antoni in basketball, um, or whatever you have <laughs> Anybody over Mike D'Antoni in basketball, we get it. <laughs> when you compare that situation... Hockey, it is a huge factor. You know, coaches set the tone for their team. You look at a John Tortorella coach team, it was defense, and that was was the culture. Uh, And you look at some of the teams out west, and it is all wide open and offense and attack. Uh, so when you bring in a guy like Messi, you wonder what his style is going to be because he's never done it before. Mm-hmm. You wonder what he's going to bring to the table, and you can't figure it out on the fly in this this situation. Yeah, it's it's certainly more X's and O's, you know, in the NHL and in the NFL. Yeah, than it is versus example, you know yeah. like basketball and 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 baseball. Yeah. You know, baseball. I mean, like, listen, if you got a if you have murderous row, you just sit there and you fill out the lineup card every day and you look like a genius. Yeah. You know, I heard today on Welcome the radio. Welcome to Joe Torre. Yeah. <laughs> I heard today on the radio that uh, the guy with the the, the longest active streak uh, for games played in the major leagues is actually Prince Fielder, which is remarkable wow, to me. Really? Uh, yeah, he's like 450 something games, something That's like incredible. that. Incredible. But and uh, Miguel Cabrera averages 158 games played every year over the last four or five. Yeah. So when you have two guys that are that talented yeah. in the middle of your lineup and you can just sit there and like write it in every day, it makes your job very easy. And Jim Leland is a great manager by yep. all accounts. But, yeah, it's not the same yeah. in hockey. It is not the same. Yeah. you got to get those X's and O's down. Yeah. You can't just figure, oh, yeah, we'll just throw the guys out there and see what happens because – we talked about this again with the range of power play. It's that's how Tortorella exactly qu- uh, coached, and I'm doing air quotes around coached. Yeah, uh, the power play, and it didn't work, and yeah. that's why it didn't work because exactly. there was nothing behind it. That's the exact reason Tortorella is not the coach anymore. Right. It wasn't a matter of motivation, which is what Messier's strong suit is. They were motivated. He was a great motivator. Right. He would ha- he would have give fiery speeches to get the guys you know like lit up and ready to play. Messi, I'm sure that's his best quality as well, but that's not what's lacking. What's lacking is strategy on offense, and that's what Messi not necessarily right. going to bring to the table. And so they have they even have the home run hitter, yeah, with Nash, yeah. You know, yeah. and obviously Richards was down, and Richards might not even be here. Hopefully. We get all that, yeah. but you know, Richards and Nash, and you know, with the best goaltender uh, arguably yeah. in the league, you know. Uh, they had the guys. Yep. The, the horses are there. So it's a matter of how to get uh, the most out of them. Uh, Vigino is uh, the uh, Canucks former coach. Right. Uh, he's now on the docket. I think he has the, – they're saying he has a, an interview scheduled with the Rangers. Mm-hmm. And uh, by all accounts, he's the favorite in the clubhouse. He's the guy that they're expecting to go and walk away with his job. And as a Ranger fan, pretty much every fan I've talked to, that's the guy that you know fans have kind of honed in on. This is the guy that has some strategy offensively, has had a ton of success out in Vancouver with a talented team, and for a while was really just a goaltender away from competing for a championship. Right. And the Rangers have that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll see what happens with it. You know, we'll definitely keep updated if, you know, when something does break on that. Uh, but, again, just hoping and praying that it's not just a, a headline move. Now, what about the... Um the, the dark horse here, and I don't think it's happened yet, but the potential that the uh, the Penguins coach might uh, get fired 
just got extended. Just uh, got today. extended. Yeah, got today. Two, okay. Two I year, that. Yeah, got a two year extension. That. Okay. Uh, so he's off the market. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. As of as of yesterday, I was hearing that there's a chance he might get fired coming yeah. off of how poorly they played in the playoffs. And they basically, I mean, I know they won the cup a couple of years ago, but like, you know, they kind of underperformed. They've underperformed for a few years now. Yeah. yeah they won a cup now four years ago. Is it four and, years ago? Yeah. And they've had the most talented guys in the league on the team all of those years. <laughs> and it's getting to be a long time, you know. If he only walks away with one cup with Crosby and Malkin, that's like having Lemieux and Yager, you know. And they won two cups. And yeah. Now you're not, you know. Yeah. So, it's one of those things you got to win at least two. Like, yeah. It's a multiples kind of thing. Yeah. Like, it, you could kind of just by accident win one right. with guys like that. Yeah. So I, I apologize. I did no, not hear yeah. that he was yeah, extended yeah. today. Yeah. Uh, a little bit out of the loop on there. But, yeah, I, people were mentioning him as a, as a bit of a dark horse. Yeah. Um, something that is not all that surprising, uh, that just transpired. Yeah, it's finally, (laughs) uh, Mets made a big move. Ike Davis and, uh, Robert Carson, Mike Baxter optioned down to the minor leagues, down to triple a. Yep. Um, I guess Carson, not really a surprise. He was overmatched. He had an ERA near nine. Yeah. He gave up a home run. Where like, does that rank on the staff? Is that like... He's like second, I think, behind yeah, Harvey. <laughs> um, no, in, in all seriousness, he was overmatched. Uh, just wasn't getting the job done. They needed another lefty, so they were kind of running him out there in hopes that he would get it right. He right. didn't. Um, Baxter, kind of a pinch hitter, but really didn't bring anything else to the table uh, offensively or defensively. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think those two guys were really just casualties of the fact that, you know, the Mets played a 20-inning game against the Marlins, went 0-19 for 19 with runners in scoring position, like and lost today. 2-1. I mean, that's awful. Yeah, kind of like the Yankees, Yankees today. Yeah. Only the Yankees did it against a good team yeah. in the A's. The Mets did it. Uh, uh, that's true. You would think that the Marlins are a good team the yeah. way that they play. If they played the Mets every day, they'd probably yeah. have the best record in baseball. Uh, I saw the thing online yesterday. They said that the Marlins lost uh, their 46th game or something like that, whatever the number was, uh, which meant they had to win their last 97 to match the 2001 Mariners. Uh, so they were 97 wins away from that. And depending upon how many times they play the Mets, they have a shot. I don't know what the schedule <laughs> breaks down to. If they play them the last 97 games, then they, you do. Know, they could set the, at least tie that record. Yeah, they have like 10 wins against the Mets yeah. this year. They've only played like, I think, 12 times. Yeah. So it's a ridiculous number. But obviously the big news out of that is like Davis getting right. sent down. Um, it had been a long time coming. There was a, a time when we got, talked to you guys last week that he was kind of turning it around a bit, and then he, he regressed again. Um, he's still standing far away from the plate. Yep. He has a big hitch in his swing. Wally Backman um, was on the radio here in New York the other day, which is kind of odd for a, a AAA manager to right. be on the radio. But, yeah. uh, with the whole Davis thing, he said that he's confident that his coaches and, and his staff can get Davis turned around and fairly quickly. Yeah. Uh, you know, they want to remove the hitch from his swing, which mm-hmm. I think is the biggest issue because it keeps him off balance constantly. Yeah. You know, he strides too soon or he strides too late because he doesn't know what he's doing with his hands. And listen, I'm yeah. not in a position to break down a major league baseball player's swing, so I'm not even going to attempt to do it. But, you know, I, just watching it, you can see that there's something wrong. Yeah. And I, I think he was beat up mentally. And if you have a good pitcher and catcher on, you know, along that same vein, then they'll know how to exploit that. Absolutely. You know, while we're not breaking down the swing, you can you can bet that the, the guys watching the tape are, and they know how to get them off balance real easily. One hundred percent. I think the Clearly. way he started off, yeah. yeah, and the way he started off last year, I think it's all in his head. 
you know, or not all of it. Obviously, there's a physical issue there, but yeah. I think a lot of it is in his head, and you can't get right here if there's a physical tweak that needs to be done. Yeah. Because you know what? If you tweak something and you go zero for four. People are still going to be like, oh, look what happened. Nothing's working, that kind of thing. Right. Send him to Vegas. Try to take the you know the hitch out of his swing and let him clear his head. Yeah. And it's a hitter's haven down there. I mean, you can yeah. hit home runs by accident. So just kind of let it you know chill for a couple weeks at least. Yeah. I think he'll be back here. I think he has to be. I mean, he's an important part of, of what this team wants to do going forward. And they have to figure out if he's a true piece or not. You know, Alderson yeah. came out on the radio and said that he views Davis, even with these struggles, as a part of the core. And he basically said that he does not view Lucas Duda and Ruben Tejada as a part of the core. They have to show more. Yeah. And I think that's a fair point. A lot of people got on him for that. But you know what? Lucas Duda has 11 home runs. He's on pace to hit 30 or so. But he has 22 RBIs. Yeah. That's an empty 11 home runs. I mean, yeah. that's a real, that's real, real bad. Not making them count. Yeah. That's that's like 30 home runs, 60 RBIs, which yeah. would be laughable. Yep. Really. And Tejada, you know, he's a young guy. There's a lot of room for growth there. But he hasn't shown much. Yeah. He really hasn't shown much. This has been a real down year for him. He's hurt now, obviously. But I don't know if he's much more than what he's shown is, is kind of what you're getting at. I think that's yeah. what the, the Mets are, are, are kind of yeah. kind of looking at him. And, and you know, listen, there's going to be a position where a lot of uh, spots are going to be up for grabs going yeah. into next year. Uh, you're really going to have to assert yourself because the Mets are going to have money to spend. And they're going to spend it. Now, are they going to go from a $50 million payroll to $150 million? No. I'm right. sure they're not going to make that kind of jump because nobody does. Their attendance is down. It's bad for business. Yeah. But they're going to spend money. He's all but said that they're going to spend money in free agency and trades and, and you know, yeah. just across the board. So you better get it right now or be gone. That's, yes, you know, that's so. this is about. And, you know, as far as Davis goes, I've been saying for, you know, for a couple times now that I think the move is to get him out of the lineup and get him working yep. on it. Um, I think some guys can figure it out at the major league level. I think a good example was Curtis Granderson against lefties a couple of years ago. He was terrible. Um, he got a swing uh, uh, tweaked a little bit by Kevin Long, and he struggled bad for a while, uh, but then just turned it on and actually hit better against lefties for the rest of that year than he did against righties. Um, so it's possible, but it, clearly that's not the case with Davis. Davis right. has been struggling with that for a while. Uh, and this is the move. Get him out of here. Get his head clear. And honestly, for the rest of the team, get the distraction away from here. Yeah. You know, when you have something like this bogging down the team, it becomes an issue for everybody in the mm-hmm. clubhouse. And just get it out of your minds. You know, just go and, and move and move on. Let somebody else get some reps there. Even if they are awful and only get two hits out of every 10 at-bats, that's still maybe an improvement over what you're getting right. before. Plus, they move Murphy over there, who's been raking, and he hasn't necessarily yeah. stopped hitting. I mean, yeah. it's only been two games, but, you know, he's, he's done fine. Yeah. And he's not a first baseman, and, you know, his role remains to be seen, whether or not they're going to even maybe use him as trade bait, yeah. whatever. Uh, but he's one of the few guys on the team who is hitting. The problem with him playing first is that, you know, the offense that he's going to put up not a big home run hitter, more of a yeah. gap-to-gap guy, a lot of doubles, you know, probably can hit you 300. You know, those numbers at second base are plus. Yeah. They're above average. At first base, yeah, it's below average. Yeah. It's nothing special. Right. So, you know, I mean, you need Davis to be that guy, especially if you're not sold on Lucas Duda, which clearly we just talked about they're not. Yeah. You know, otherwise you're going to be in the market for a first baseman. They really don't. I mean, obviously their first-round pick, uh, a high pick, number 11, yeah. this year was a first baseman. But... Uh, 
he's coming out of high school. Yeah, it's going to be, be some time. 2016, 17 at the earliest. Yeah. So they're going to need either Davis to step up or they need somebody to bridge the gap. Yeah. And yeah. it's as simple as that. Um, some positive news, if you want to call it that, as far as the Mets go. Alderson has all but confirmed that Zach Wheeler will make his Major League debut on Tuesday. In a doubleheader, the Mets are going to need an extra starter. Yeah, and it's going to be time to uh, to call him up. Is it also his bobblehead day? Is that it? Should be. Yeah, it definitely should be. Uh, <laughs> it is Harvey Day. There you go. Which will be a great day. I might have to quit my job. Yeah, and good. just stay home and watch <laughs> and watch nothing but baseball. No, it, it'll be a, an exciting day, I guess, for Met fans. Yeah, that's uh, you'll have cool. Wheeler going in the morning, I believe, or in the afternoon, and then uh, and Harvey at night. So that's something to look forward to. Um, Let's see if he's a little pumped up. He's actually will be pitching against the Atlanta Braves, and he's an yeah. Atlanta area kid. Right. So that's a tough spot to make your major league debut. Is this game in Atlanta or in New York? Um, I don't know. I guess they had a rainout in Atlanta a couple of a uh, couple weeks ago. So I believe yeah. the game is in Atlanta, and they've been on a long homestand. So yeah. I haven't checked the schedule, but I'm pretty sure that it is in Atlanta. Yeah. So that's even. Bigger, yeah. you know, yeah. probably have a lot of family Plenty out there and whatnot. Yeah. So, you know, listen, we'll talk more about that next week after it happens. But yeah. I'm looking forward to it. We've been talking about it a while now. Yeah. So, uh, so I guess that leaves the question: What's up with Darno? Because he's he's the third piece of your your young guy puzzle. He's the third piece of the puzzle. Um, probably baseball activities starting next week. Yeah. Uh, he's still like halfway in the boot. Um, he's doing some a lot of upper body stuff, and I think he's going to start running yeah. uh, next week, hopefully. And once he does that, you know, then it's the whole, you know, get your feet back under you thing, yeah. and then probably, I don't know, what, what week and a half, spring two training kind of. I mean, he didn't have a ton of at-bats. I mean, obviously, he had a full spring training and started the season, but he didn't have a ton of at-bats. He got hurt pretty yeah. quickly. You know, mid-April, I think it was. So I would say it's probably going to be a little bit longer than your typical rehab assignment. Yeah. But, you know, then he's going to go back to AAA. Alderson yeah. said he'd like to have him up here before September. Yeah. But they don't know if that's going to be possible because he's not playing baseball yet. Yeah. So, you know, very guarded in his answers. And it's hard to project, yeah. It, it is. I mean, you know, and, and speaking of hard to project, you got some similar news on the Yankee front with Jeter. And yeah, it's, it's it's the same kind of thing. It's a, and we'll, we'll talk about that at length in a second. But it's it's a you know a leg injury where you can't do anything. Yeah, and obviously Jeter had no spring training at all, mm-hmm. so a little different. But you're looking at the same situation. It's a matter of being able to get your legs under you first before you can do anything, and then you gotta you know play nine innings and then right. play nine innings the next day and you know figure that whole pattern out. So we're a ways away with Darno. Uh, he will be up here this year, definitely, mm-hmm. unless there's some kind of major setback in his recovery. Yeah. I'm hoping it's before September because, my God, John Buck has cooled off and he's clearly <laughs> not the answer anyway. Yeah. You know, you need some new life. But, you know, it's going to be a bit of a revolving door as far as the Mets prospects go anyway. Mm-hmm. And, again, Alderson said it on the radio a couple of days ago, if you're in New York and you listen to it. Um, you know, they brought up a couple of guys to replace Davis and Carson and Baxter. But he said, you know, if these guys don't, uh, produce. We're going to take a look at some other guys. You know, they have Wilmer Flores, who's a big uh, second base prospect. Mm-hmm. You know, he's an option. Uh, they're kind of giving Valdespin his uh, extended look now. Right. Like moving Murphy to first, playing Valdespin at second base every day. A lot of people have been clamoring for that. I don't think Valdespin's that good. I think he will be exposed. Yeah. Maybe the next guy to go. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we'll see. 
Hey, that's what this season's supposed to be about. It's accountability for your actions and, you know, how talented you, you are and how much you play. Yep. And the guys who are playing are the ones that deserve it. You know, that, that's exactly. really where you need to be. And see where you fit into the puzzle for yeah. 2014. Because, again, guys are fighting for positions except for maybe David Wright and Matt Harvey. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, you know, obviously there's some people who aren't here yet. And they're going to spend money. They're going to yeah. spend money on some guys. I don't know if it's going to be like an Ellsbury or, <clears throat> you know, pipe dreams of a Giancarlo Stanton trade. But you, you, they're they're going to get someone. Yeah. They're going to get a big name. It's not going to be, you know, Andre Ethier in a in a salary <laughs> dump and that's it. Yeah. You know, you're talking maybe a, a Shinsu Chu plus yeah. somebody else, plus a slugger, whether it's Cargo or Stanton. You're, you're going to see a, a, a dramatic shift in yeah. this team, you know, next year. But we talked about Jeter for a second. and Yeah, uh, we'll start with that positive, uh, yeah. you know, because I'm not happy right now with the Yankees. So I'll Just start with Jeter. 18 to yeah. the A's. So uh, Jeter got, uh, today, it actually, I guess I would normally say halfway through the game, but it was probably, you know, after the first game was over, halfway through the second game, right. uh, they announced that Jeter was cleared. Uh, he met with his doctor that did the surgery on his ankle. Uh, they said everything is healing. Uh, right. Not better. healed. Yes, in the process of healing and getting better. But uh, with that, at the point that it's at right now, he's able to resume full baseball activities, which means he can take ground balls, he can hit, he can run, he can do all those things. Uh, obviously, it's going to be limited as he goes and builds that strength back up. But very good sign. I think, you know, there's been a big question. Guy's been thrown out there. Is Jeter even going to come back at all? So, you know, the fact that he's doing this now, especially at this point, we're, mm-hmm. you know, before June, uh, early June still, um, we're still a month away from the All-Star game. So it gives him some time to maybe start to get back into it. Uh, if everything heals up, he then, you know, kind of like I was saying before, he probably has to go through a full spring training. Uh, yeah. So you're probably close to a month of rehab before he's going to be back with the big club. But knowing Jeter, he'll probably accelerate that timetable once he's fully healed. I would say so. You know, it, but realistically, given as much time as he's missed, he, I would say he le- needs at least three weeks. Yeah. I would say that's like the bare minimum, like, a you know, some kind of abbreviated spring training schedule. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know how much worse he can be than Jason Nix and or Eduardo Nunez if he ever gets back and or uh, Reed Brignac. So I, I can <laughs> deal. Keep even, Eduardo Nunez on the DL for the whole season. Yeah, as far I as think I'm that's concerned. one of those mercy killings, hopefully. Uh, so that's not bad. You know, I think that's definitely a, a good sign, uh, especially with the whole A-Rod thing. Well, who knows what's going on with that. You but know. no, it's a positive for Jeter yeah. uh, and positive for the Yankees. I mean, they need him. Let's be Absolutely. honest, because the cast of characters that they're running out there now are just, I mean, they're cast-offs. They are that. I mean, Reed Brignac got released. Yeah. You know, Jason Nix is a, is a good utility infielder, yeah. but that's yeah. all he really is. I'm not even Eduardo sure if I qualify Nunez, as a good utility. Yeah, but he is. Yeah, yeah he's a utility infielder. Yeah. Uh, Eduardo Nunez is, I'm not sure what he is. Yeah. Some people think he's good. He's a pinch I, runner. None of us do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> here, you guys know that. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen. The Yankees have cooled off dramatically, as we talked Ugh. about, since their start uh, that was, you know, very good with this, uh, just cast the characters that they yeah, have. Yeah, and, and coming into this, it hasn't, you know, they, they've had a decent stretch right now. You know, they lost a series to the Red Sox uh, and obviously the Mets and, and sort of bounced back a little bit. They had a good series against the Indians and the Mariners. They swept the Indians. Um, swept the Indians, took two out of three from Seattle. Uh, but then this series against Oakland, they went and got swept, and the offense was just it disappeared completely. Yeah. Uh, the meat of the lineup, the guys who were supposed to be the big hitters, uh, you know, Wells and Hafner, uh, who were huge revelations the first half of the year, were really cooled off a lot. Hafner's below like 220 now with his average. Oof. He was up over 300 for a while. I was going to say, he was sitting around 330 for yeah. a bit. Yeah. Wells, the same thing. Wells has been in the, the 100s the last, you know, I'd say, month and a half. 
so really struggling. Teixeira, you know, give him a little bit of slack because he's coming off the DL. But he Even Euclid. Yeah, Euclid's the same kind of a thing. But uh, I saw the stat before. Between the four of them today, they were 0 for 28. Oof. You're not going to win games when you have guys like that throwing no-hitters. Yeah. Is that is that your three for, three through? Uh, that is yeah. So Cano, I think batted uh, second, or second today. Okay. So that's three through five, uh, four, five, six, seven. That's, yeah, yeah, that's that's bad. No, that's yeah. that's you, you cannot. Have <laughs> that's how you lose games. Yeah, uh, and it's amazing too. It wasted a great performance from Kuroda. Kuroda threw eight innings today. Seven of them were one, two, three. The one inning where he got hit around, he gave a couple of runs, had two walks. That actually burnt him, and he had a tough call at the plate uh, that cost him the second run. But uh, seven innings perfect. Uh, uh, I think it was Adam Warren came in, threw five shutout innings out of the bullpen, pitched great. Yeah. Uh, Boone Logan, all the guys that came in out of the bullpen, pitched phenomenal and just wasted performance. The Yankees left ten runners on base in the first four extra innings. Yeah. They had the bases loaded, they had two on, they had the bases loaded, and nothing. Listen, I, you know, the Mets, we just went through that same thing. Only difference is the Yankees lost to a, you know, a good team in the A's, and it happened with the Mets. It was against the Marlins. Yeah. But, you know, same kind of situation. 20-inning game, you got Harvey out there, he pitches seven innings, gives up one run. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Markham comes in. Throws 105 pitches in eight innings in relief, seven of them hitless. Yeah. And you lose that game to the Marlins. I mean, and and uh, I don't know what the meat of their order was, but they were 0 for 19 with runners in scoring position as a team. Yeah. And, again, it's the recipe to lose games. You're it's, just not going to win like that. And that's obviously, you know, right after that, Davis, Carson, and Baxter go down to the minors. Because yeah. at that point you got to shake something up. When you're playing that poorly and you have that many guys underperforming and uh, you got to do something. I mean, they could have easily, without exaggeration, I know you can't replace a whole 25, but they could have easily sent down six or eight guys after that game and people wouldn't have even batted an eye. It's it's a bad spot, and you know it's it's very frustrating to watch. I'm sure it's frustrating to be on the field for that to fight for for that long. Absolutely. Uh, you look at a guy like Chris Stewart, obviously not adding anything offensively, but uh, caught 18 innings, got hammered on a plate to plate, and tagged the guy out, held on to the ball, uh, took a foul ball off, like played a really tough game. And at the end of the day, he walks away with a loss. You yeah. know, it's it's tough to do. So uh, we'll see how they bounce back. Uh, you know, they got the series with the Angels coming up. They always have trouble, I think, out in California. So, you know, you hope a little bit. Maybe something bounces back and, and they kind of get their act together. But uh, it's tough. You, yeah. can only, you can only stretch these guys, these bench guys out for so long. And, you know, Vernon Wells gave you everything you could ask for and more. And then Brand- Granderson broke his hand again. Right. That, you know, I think that's the big one. That was, that that's was a That's really tough the one. big one. Because he's... He's the guy who could have been easily, you know, slotted out, or at least, you know, Wells and Ichiro could kind of spell each other. Yeah, if you had Grandison and and um, and Gardner out there every yeah. day, you know, because they have guys who can play Hafner's role. Yeah, you know, you can swap guys around and get a fresh DH in. Obviously, they still have Overbay on the team that yeah. can fill that role. You know. The exposure of Wells, I think, to me, has been the biggest thing, the yeah. overexposure of him. But, you know. And it's pretty clear. You watch him at the plate. He's just pulling off the ball. You know, every, they're just throwing sliders away, sliders away, sliders away. And he's backing off and just flicking his wrist at it. He's yeah. not driving out to that side pitch. And until, you know, they make an adjustment, it, it's going to be the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Um, pitchers are smart enough to go and do that. And I got to be honest with you. I, I feel like the last couple of weeks, our podcasts have taken a very disturbing trend. Yeah. And that they start off on a high note, but then as soon as we get to, and as soon as we get to baseball, yeah, it yeah. starts to really dip. We got to do something. We got to, we got to 
try to be it up. a bit more uh, interested in the. It, it's so it's so bad, man. The state yeah. of our our teams right now, and for you, it's it's a little shocking as a Yankee yeah. fan. To me, I, I although I will say I did not think the Mets would be this bad. Yeah. So I guess for both of us, it's been kind of a letdown. I mean, our, our picks at the beginning when we first started doing the podcast, you know, we both had the Mets around the you know the the high seventies. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So that was, that's that's, be, that's a, gonna be tough. That's bad. I mean, I'm they're lucky they win 65 games yeah. the way they're playing. Well, so. let's, let's go with the positive. Uh, David Wright, uh, when it was voted uh, most eligible Cub on CougarTown.com, which prompted the Mets to go and explore uh, having them market him as the uh, vote right now. Yeah. Uh, for third base, starting third base in the National League All Star game, that had to be exciting. That's a good cross promotion, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, listen, if you're going to pimp out your best player <laughs> to uh, a Cougar dating website, you must be the Mets. That sounds like a Jeff Wilpon idea. Yeah, um, I mean, he won. He won the contest. He so did. Hey, listen, credit I'm to just, him. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say it. It's almost better than MVP. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not almost better than MVP. We know that, but uh, I-, I will say this. I don't think it's a bad idea because <laughs> I don't want Pablo Sandoval starting at third base for Not the uh, National League All-Stars at yeah. City Field. It was a travesty that he started there last year. He beat out right. He had no business beating yeah. him out. And uh, this year, he's actually on the DL right now and is, is still really? leading. Yeah. I, I know that the fans in San Francisco are passionate and Wright is not off to the start this year that he was last year. But, I, come on. Yeah. I, I, just at that's City it. Field. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna tough. I'm gonna go with the old the old little kid argument. Like, come on, yeah, come on. That's all you got. You well, that's you might all get I got. Harvey starting anyway. That might be. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, he should have like ten wins, but the Mets can't score any runs for yeah, him, so he's five and one now. Him. He on. lost today, so yeah, that's tough. I don't know. Listen, Cougars, if you're listening, I don't know if a lot of Cougars <laughs> listen to our podcast. If you're listening, I don't know if the Mets are gonna do it. Probably not. But vote right now. That's the message that I have to you today. Vote right now. And that's right. It, it makes more sense if you read it as a hashtag. It's filled with a W. Well, yeah. Like his, his name. name. It's not like vote right now. Like stop what you're doing. And go, yeah. it's, it's like vote for David Wright right, right now. now. So you understand what we're talking yeah, about. It's a play on words. But yeah. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll join you guys next week. We'll talk about Zach Wheeler and uh, yeah. see if the Rangers have a coach by then. I hope they do. You know, I think they got to get that settled. We'll see what's going on with the hockey. Obviously, hopefully Miami's eliminated by then. That would be fantastic. It'd be cool to watch. It'd be cool to talk about. Yeah. See LeBron James choke that team break up and, uh, you know, everybody from Miami that's their bandwagon fans be upset. Oh, man. All right. Take it easy, guys. Yeah, that's all I got. Thanks for coming out. I'm tired <laughs> now. I'm going to go home and go to bed. really it's just, killing me. It's uh, killing my mood, man. We're going to try to pick it up next week. Maybe we'll lead in with baseball yeah. and try to just knock it out right at the and beginning. Just get it out of the way so we can we'll talk about figure something it out. more fun. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Take it Maybe easy. we'll talk about puppies. <laughs> <laughs> the New York 20 is brought to you by Electricity. Invented by Benjamin Franklin in 1682, Electricity makes all our modern technology possible by supplying our devices with precious miniature lightning bolts.